0: This is Business of Home. I'm your host, Dennis Scully. Every week, I'll be talking to leaders and innovators from all corners of the home industry. My guest this week is Jeff Harris, the CEO of Furnitureland South. For those unfamiliar, Furnitureland South is both a North Carolina institution and a world record holder. At 1.3 million square feet, it's the largest furniture store on the planet. I chatted with Jeff about the lessons his company shares with interior designers, why he's skeptical that High Point will become a year-round destination, and why, despite the rise of e-commerce, he thinks great furniture will always be sold in person. This podcast is brought to you by Resource Furniture, the original and largest source of luxury, multifunctional, and space-saving furniture in North America. For more than 20 years, designers, architects, and savvy consumers have looked to resource to add form, function, and quality to every space, large or small, residential or commercial. Remote working and learning are here to stay, so create the flexible, functional, and comfortable home everyone needs right now, with Italian wall-made beds, transforming tables, innovative storage solutions, and more. Visit resourcefurniture.com forward slash work from home to learn how. This podcast is also sponsored by Universal Furniture. Designers already rely on Universal's incredible selection. Now they can take advantage of an all-new special upholstery program. It's bench-made upholstery, crafted in North Carolina, available in just six to eight weeks. With more than 400 fabrics, 50 leathers, and 200 frames, the creative possibilities are limitless, and online tools allow you to create visualizations to share with clients. As always, designers receive special perks working with Universal. There's no order minimum, free shipping, online ordering, and dedicated custom support through the design line. Save 20% off your first order of $2,000 or more by using the code TRADEFALL20. That's TRADEFALL20 at universalfurniture.com. And now, on with the show. Jeff, let's jump right in. Help me set things up for listeners. I know that Furniture Land South describes itself as the largest furniture store in the world. Can you help us understand exactly how large that is so that listeners who might not be familiar get a sense of the scale and magnitude of the operation that you run?
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, this is Jeff. Uh, we have 1.3 million square feet of showroom display space. And that's spread out into three different buildings. We have uh, what we call our showroom building. We have the Mart building, and then we have an outlet center. And also on the campus, we have our own Subway. We have our own Starbucks. And we also have an 800,000 square foot corporate office and distribution center, which also houses our contract division. So I believe we have about 70 acres here. Uh, We've been developing here since uh, the late 80s.
0: And your father originally started the business back in 1968. Do I have that right?
1: 69. Yeah, we just celebrated our 50th anniversary last year. So that makes us 51 now. (laughs)
0: Okay. So tell me about the business that your father started and, and, and give us a sense of the, of the origin story, if you would.
1: (laughs) Oh, you're going to take us (laughs) uh, down memory lane today. Uh, I would love that. Yeah. So that's great. Jason and I are, our parents, only two sons, and there's three and a half years that separate uh, Jason and I I won't tell you who's older, Uh, (laughs) but uh, I know
0: who's older, but
1: yes. (laughs) You know, I think what Furniture Land South is, is, is the epitome of the American dream. I mean, my father was in the Navy. He was stationed in Charleston, South Carolina, although he was from High Point. And uh, he and my mother, after getting married in Tennessee, they moved back to High Point. Soon after my father was discharged from the Navy, Uh, He went to work in the furniture industry for a retailer in nearby Winston-Salem. One thing led to another, and he decided to make a go of it. The retail organization that he was working for was a small store, and I think he he kind of mistreated my father. My father said, you know, I think I could probably do better than this on my own. So he took out a $10,000 loan at a First Citizens Bank, and he was off to the races um, and really just rented a tiny little garage uh, on South Main Street in High Point. Little Sleepy High Point, North Carolina, and over the course of his lifetime, just built it into uh, what it what it has become over 51 years. So uh, he passed away in 2014 and my mom six months later. Uh, but over the course of their lives, they were able to, to uh, live the American dream. And, and just before they passed away, they were the first couple that was ever inducted uh, as a couple into the American Furniture Hall of Fame. So something that we're very proud of. And uh, they their legacy is something that we uh, we work hard uh, every day to to uh, to try to to maintain and and uh, and take to the another level.
0: So. It sounds like the the business sort of grew and grew, but somehow sort of the, the 1990s was sort of this exponential sort of growth period for you. I, I wonder if you could help me understand a little bit of what was going on there and how you eventually got to the scale uh, of the business as it is today.
1: Yeah, sure. I like to tell people, you know, I graduated from High Point University in 1990. And that was right in the middle of us building uh, what was then known as the largest furniture store in the United States at two hundred and twenty eight thousand square feet right here on on our current campus. And uh, we had had a showroom on South Main Street in High Point. But this was back in the days uh, where uh, a lot of manufacturers were getting pressure from other retailers uh, across the country to to really limit distribution on their lines. And so we had brands like Lexington and Thomas Full and Bernhardt and Century and and on and on that they, they all of a sudden came out with new requirements that really forced a retailer to have a dedicated space just for their brand. And so my father really had seen kind of the writing on the wall. And, and we had a nice showroom in High Point, but it was only probably 65,000 square feet. And we certainly were not going to have uh, enough square footage there to accommodate all of these brands. We actually had the very first Thomasville gallery in the United States and we dedicated a big space to that and and so we were off to the races with this with this new philosophy of, of retailing and so my father at that point we we had we had already uh, built our corporate office and warehouse out here in Jamestown on business 85 and so that really got his wheels to turning to think hey you know if we're gonna do this let's go out there and build a destination let's build a uh, a, a really big showroom that we can start putting in these manufactured galleries that they're requiring, and so that led into a couple of years of development uh, with you know architects and uh, and planners and interior designers and, and really also our our uh, our business partners, the brands. And so that's really what catapulted us really in the 90s. When, when we launched, we opened October the 1st of 1990. At the time, we had a greatly successful PR campaign that translated into some national media. And that very first year, we, we more than doubled our sales revenues in that first year. We were, I think, 1990, we ended about a $12 million company and by the year 2000 we had grown to 178 million so in in 10 years in one decade we had wow. grown, you know more than uh, tenfold uh, and so that was really something that catapulted us uh, being able to have all these brands being able to show them, Uh, In a gallery-like environment, like consumers would be able to see it in their home, and I think that was uh, at the time was a very bold move. We had a lot of other retailers that were located in the High Point area, and so. You know, it was kind of a a bold move for us to move away from all that. They had just completed a new section of Interstate 85. And so we were kind of on a business 85. And a lot of people thought that this business 85 route would end up uh, going away at some point. But now we actually have the only uh, stoplight between Washington, D.C. and Atlanta on 85. So, so, (laughs) is that right? Yeah, quite the opposite (laughs) happened, really.
0: Well, so that that's fascinating. So, so, so the business just I- I exploded in part because of this new concept of display and how you were showing furniture. Yes,
1: and I mean, who knows what all was involved? But I think just the yeah. excitement. We had this PR campaign that that got national attention. Phones were ringing off the hook. People were coming in to see us. There were busloads of. of Uh, people from all over the country that were driving in here it was like uh, a a visit to a home decorating theme park
0: (laughs) (laughs) well does it feel that way today so now you're 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 so much bigger even than you were then i mean how do people respond when they show up and see the enormity of the campus that you have
1: yeah, that's a great question. I think it's, it's really interesting to see people that have never been here before. Obviously, we, we have um, an 85-foot-tall replica of a high boy uh, mm-hmm. that is on the front of our Mark building, so that's become a landmark. I mean, there's not a, a day that goes by where we don't have dozens of people that are posing in front of the high boy. You, know, you think about, I mean, literally, we, we have about the equivalent of, of 25 Home Depots full of furniture. Here on our campus, and it's all set up as you would want to see it in your home. So I think there's an opportunity when people get here to be a bit overwhelmed, but you know we are very much a relationship selling organization. Uh, we have on our website uh, 150 design consultants. They have their own personal video bio that uh, talks a little bit about you know their expertise, but it also gives them an opportunity to let their personality shine through and to share something personally. Uh, a lot of uh, customers will, will use this as a way to uh, decide who they want to help them with their project before they ever reach the campus. And that's really been a game changer we've been doing for, for several years now. And so again, 1.3 million square feet can take you several days to see it. So we try to break that down and let people know, hey, this is just a lot of smaller boutiques within one big organization, but you've got one design consultant that can navigate you and help be your tour guide through the entire process.
0: Well, so to your point, do you find that many of your customers are going through that process of familiarizing themselves with a design consultant before they come and who they think they might be comfortable working with?
1: A lot of our shoppers start their experience online, and that's where they first realize that that we do have such a a big showroom and so many design consultants able to help them. And we do market towards that. We really try to streamline and, and encourage all of our customers to choose who you want to help you with this. And uh, now you're certainly going to have a lot of, uh, of customers that do just come in and take the next design consultant that is available. Uh, but normally, if you have uh, a, a client that's interested in, uh, in shopping for multiple rooms or an entire home, you know, it's a big purchase. And, and uh, you know, they want to get with someone that they feel like that they have a connection with and someone that's going to understand a lot of their home interior goals.
0: Well, I'm glad that you raised that point because I I get the sense that your store is the kind of store where people might really be coming – to to buy furniture for their entire home, they're not showing up to buy a lamp or a table,
1: right? Well, not unless they're coming to our garage sale, which we have. <laughs> uh, people says, you know, what's your what's your typical avatar? And and you know, we really have such a diverse clientele. But I would say our sweet spot is people that are looking to, to do multiple rooms or an entire home. If they're working on a on a project, that's really our sweet spot because we're able to use our professional design consultants that are so educated, and they're able to do space planning and help them through the selection process with customization. And so that that is certainly a big, big part of, of what we do. But we certainly have that client that's just looking for a mattress or just looking for a recliner or just needs a dining table. So we do have the, those clients.
0: Okay. So so people wander in, but but many people are coming to you that are really focused on making quite a sizable investment. I think you and I touched recently on the, on the fact that Wayfair, for example,'s average order value is around two hundred and thirty-five dollars. And I gather that yours is, is quite a bit higher than that. Can you give me an idea?
1: Well, it is. It's it's pretty uh pretty it's, it's pretty incredible. I mean our average ticket is over five thousand dollars. And we and we do business again with consumers all over the United States. We have uh, we do international business is about six percent of our overall volume. When when people are gonna make the investment to travel here from other states or other cities, they're serious. They're they're not just just coming in to, to vacation or to go to a spa or play golf. They're here because they have a, a huge project that they're willing to invest in. And they want to go where they feel like they're going to get the best selection, the best pricing and the best service. And that, those are things that, that we really key ourselves on.
0: So how did you develop this national presence and also even this international business that you've referenced? How did you reach people and convince them to come visit you from all over the country?
1: Well, that's a great question. And we, As I said, we've been at it for 51 years, but High Point has long such been known as the furniture capital of the world. And North Carolina has just been a hotbed for, for furniture manufacturing as well as retailing.
0: So has your business evolved alongside High Point?
1: If you would have shopped the High Point uh, retail uh, market back 15 years ago, you would have seen probably a dozen other furniture retailers that had similar business model. And today, if you shop and market in High Point, uh, you're only going to find Furniture Land South. We kind of have been a survivor of the things that happened back in the mid-2000s, up till today,
0: yeah. I mean, I'm curious. Uh, you, you mentioned you mentioned about High Point and and sort of being the the furniture capital. Many consider it the furniture capital of the world. And I'm wondering how Furniture Land South has has grown and evolved around this ecosystem in High Point market. I know for many years you've been purchasing floor samples from from showrooms, but I'm imagining you have a a far deeper relationship than that.
1: I appreciate that question and. Again, I I would tell you there were were a lot of other retailers that had similar business models, but when you have access to a thousand brands and you have 1.3 million square feet of showroom, that is a differentiator. It's a destination. Not only do we have... great big showrooms and and we have logistical support to get it to consumers no matter where they live. But we have one of the most educated if not the most educated sales force in the industry. We are located in close proximity to many of our brands. Part of our sales education process is that we send our design consultants into these factories to see firsthand how products are made. We're able to translate that at the retail level to consumers. So much is lost in translation you from what the ma- these great manufacturers are able to produce all the way to the end user. And so we feel like we do that as well as anyone. You know, we're passionate about what we do here. Uh, so we, we continually reinvent the showroom experience. We make it fun. We make it efficient. Uh, many people come here to spend multiple days. We've even had people spend multiple weeks <laughs> coming here to, you know, when they're, <laughs> when they're building. Is it, that they're, right? Going through the absolutely. process? Absolutely. I mean, they they there's a lot to do. it's so interesting.
0: We're taking a quick break to remind you to register for the Resource Furniture Designer Resource Program. As a committed partner to the trade for more than 20 years, the highly experienced staff in each of their eight showrooms across North America brings a wealth of space-saving expertise to each and every project. Registered members of the Designer Resource Program enjoy benefits such as special discounts on their one-of-a-kind product collection, a dedicated project manager, rendering services, a referral program with accumulating rewards and more. Visit resourcefurniture.com forward slash resource trade program and register today. And now back to the show. Well, you know, Jeff, you, you mentioned you mentioned that so often there's something lost in translation from what some of these furniture companies are, are able to, to make and do and the, the the lack of awareness or understanding that consumers often have about the, the the quality level differentiators and and sort of what makes good furniture in in general and I, and I wonder why you, why you think there has been this disconnect and and, and why the, the furniture industry has sometimes, by its own admission, has, hasn't been a, a, as great at, at marketing itself as it could have been.
1: Well, that, you just hit it. I mean, it's it's that they haven't invested uh, in marketing. I mean, when you look at companies like Pottery Barn and Restoration Hardware, you know, a, a lot of uh, young professionals in their thirties and forties, they, they those are aspirational lines for them. And and uh, you know, if they only knew that there is so much better quality for the money uh, that they that they can okay. afford. Uh, That is that is very much aspirational. But because of the the merchandising and marketing efforts that those companies have realized that they put in place, I just think the consumer is uninformed or uneducated about, you know, truly what makes a a, a quality piece of furniture.
0: Well, I mean, it it seems like the furniture industry really needs to figure out how to how to better educate these consumers. I, I, I hate to bring up the the dreaded RH conversation, but I feel like they've done such a great job of marketing that often they've they've convinced people that they're perhaps of a quality level that they really aren't. And I imagine that no one knows that better than you.
1: Yes. I mean, you know, and and what they've done is phenomenal. I mean, they've they've helped. uh, Certainly, uh, they've taken a a big hold of the industry. But I cannot tell you how many times that, that our clients came in with those big, thick, catalogs that they used to print and they said you know we we went this route and we were really dissatisfied with the overall quality we got for the money that we spent but we like this aesthetic we like this style right. have you got anything that uh, could could work better for us that's re- that's real furniture that's really good, great quality and so that that conversation seems to happen on a regular basis in our store
0: and do you I mean can you can you quickly say yes I do and it's right this way and no question pop- Uh, Hop on this little minivan and I'll drive you over to that part of the store.
1: No question. (laughs) When you represent over a thousand brands, I like to tell people it's not a matter of do we have something? It's just, where is it? Uh, (laughs) You know, we can imagine. We always uh, are looking for more square footage because we just can't show all the wonderful products, you know, that our industry has to offer.
0: Is is that right? Are you, are you really looking for ways to
1: expand? No, 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 no. (laughs) I don't think Jason and I are presently, uh, but, but our buyers, our designers are always, it's hard, can't it's we hard to imagine. And boy, if we had another building, we could put this product in it. I don't think we're quite as interested to build a good <laughs> right now. We've got quite a, quite a unique experience. I, I think most of our clients would agree that we have plenty to show them.
0: Well, I'm sure, and please know how eager I am to come and visit Jeff. so I, I'm absolutely going to take you up on your on your kind invitation. What I'm curious about, and I want to hear your thinking about this, is that so often today, when we talk to people in this industry, the conventional wisdom is about smaller curated collections and more of a digital presence and a, a, a smaller footprint. And your business seems to defy that sort of conventional thinking. And you seem to find strength in scale. And I'm wondering sort of how you answer that sort of conventional wisdom about smaller, curated, more online sales, all of that.
1: Well, I think that it's a fine line between having it all and not overwhelming the client, keeping it simple. And so I I like to think we have the best of both worlds because we have this amazing emporium of, of product. And then yet we have this design consultant that one of their priorities, one of their challenges with every client is how do I make this easy? How do I simplify the process? They don't want to spend a week, even though they can, You know, not everybody wants to do it. They just want a new bedroom. They just want you know, a new dining room. And so try not to overwhelm their clients with options. They try to have a game plan. They want to show them products digitally, maybe before they even get here that we know we're going to have on the floor so that once they get here, they're able to see the scale, see the quality, see the finish, uh, see the construction. Uh, So I like to think that we, we kind of have the best of both worlds. Uh, Because we do have this breadth of product here, and yet they have this professional design consultant that can get intimate with their project, make great recommendations, and and not let them be overwhelmed.
0: Well, so in addition to these design consultants, I gather that you've got an ever-growing Trade business, actual interior designers that are that are coming to you, and I and you've got a trade direct program that I want to understand better and and hear from you how how that has been evolving over the years.
1: Absolutely, uh, it, the interior design trade, the freelance interior designers, uh, you know, they are an important segment of our, our industry, and they're very very talented. I think the whole industry has uh, struggled to find the right solutions for the interior design trade over the last 25 years. And I believe that uh, Jason and I have, have really cracked the code. We have come up with a tremendous solution, you know. A lot of lot of designers they only buy product at market in April, October, and we know that our market was canceled in April. Uh, October is probably going to be very lightly traveled. So we have got access to all these brands. Uh, we expose. We have no minimums for these designers. Uh, we we really offer them several two different ways that they, can, that they can work with the Trade Direct program. They can let their consumers buy from us and then we commission them back. Or uh, for some of the bigger firms, they're able to purchase uh, at margins that are considerably less than we sell to consumers. Uh, and then they're able to have uh, additional margin opportunity as they resell those goods to their clients. Um, so we have over 5,000 uh, interior designers all across the country and internationally as well. The program this Year has exploded. Uh, we are nearly forty percent up with designers this year over last year. Um, so it's it's a big it's a big focus of ours. You know, we we like to be very inclusive. We like to share best practices. Uh, you know, and we like to uh, we like to share with these designers. You know how your colleagues are making money at this and and what works. But you know, at the end of the day, we make it easy you know we allow the designers to focus on what they're best at and that is design and i think right now it's 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 really catching on and by the way you know most of our top 50 vendors you know we get we're kind of at the, at the front of the line as far as production. And, and as, as it works right now, a lot of uh, people are, are screaming because the, the, the demand is, is way up for products in our industry. Sure. Uh, and a lot of these brands are, are really scrambling just to keep up with production right now. So, you know, when, when we're able to be at the, at the front of the line, you know, these designers are not always at the front of the line. Uh, and so they know they can, with with uh, with confidence, they can buy through Furniture Land South and, and know that they're going to get, you know, some of the best cycle times and delivery times in the industry.
0: So your so your scale is 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 an advantage for them, uh, and, and because you're such a big reseller for so many of these brands, absolutely. Well, so Jeff, help help me understand that uh, you said uh, several things that were very interesting. First of all, it's interesting to me that your designer business in in general is up forty percent over last year. That's that's striking, and I'm I'm wondering what you attribute that to.
1: Well, as I said, there's a, I think a couple things. Uh, uh, number one, there was no April market, <laughs> and so these right. designers don't don't have uh, strong relationships. They have minimums. You know, there's a lot of our brands that do not sell directly to designers, but the ones that do, they sell them at a higher margin. Uh, then they sell us, and they have these minimums. So they, you know, if they don't have a big project, they're not able to meet their minimums. Um, and right. so I think that's one right. of the reasons. Uh, okay. You know, we don't have minimums. You can order, you know, a fifty-dollar item from us. And
0: you mentioned you got a couple of different sort of pricing structures. So they they can either sort of buy directly and and get access to sort of a trade pricing package, or that's their correct. client can purchase and and then. Designers will get some sort of a, a commission back. Did that's, I have that right? That's
1: correct. That's the two different ways that the program works, and it's and it's uh, the designer can can uh, pick and choose which direction they'd like to go, and, and they can use different uh, uh, platforms depending on the, the way that they're working with their client. Uh, so I think that's one of the reasons our business is up. But we also. Seven months ago, we hired a new uh, executive director of the Trade Direct program, and mm-hmm. um, and uh, she's she's been in the industry. She's been a assistant manager of a retail store. She's worked uh, as a as a sales rep for other brands, so she's she's familiar with with uh, how the whole thing works. And uh, she came in, and we really uh, kind of did a, a relaunch of the program, and and recognize. That you know, this designer business uh, is something that we can all work with our brands together to, uh, to to recruit these designers in and and take care of them. And so it's uh, it's exciting. We're, we think it's going to ultimately be a bit uh, you know continue to grow and be a big part of our of our business, our our volume, and our our, our overall strategy.
0: Well, it, it's interesting. We were talking earlier about. Your, your connection to High Point, and, and back in the day, designers weren't even allowed to attend High Point Market, and honestly, it wasn't even that long ago, right? It's been interesting to see the growth for designers at at market in general. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I think Jason said the other day, it's, you know, I think these designers, you know, they're here to do business, but it's also kind of a big party (laughs) for uh, for, for four (laughs) or five days here. Um, But, yeah, I mean, a lot of these designers weren't allowed, and I think the industry recognizes, you know, there's also a difference between an accredited designer and a decorator. And I think those lines over time got so blurred, but, uh, you know, what, the, what these interior designers are able to do, um, it is definitely a skill that someone that's investing, you know, in a home. They, they need to have someone that has space planning capabilities, someone that can, you know, layer in textures and fabrics and finishes and, and truly come up with, you know, these, these beautiful interiors that you know, a lot of people dream of. They see them on. Platforms like Houzz and Pinterest, and they just want their homes to look like these pictures, but they don't know how to do it. And that's where these designers come in. And it is definitely a very big part of the industry with, with the interior design trade.
0: Well, and, and for you, you mentioned sort of making a distinction within the different designers and decorators. What do you sort of require of designers to, to be a part of your trade direct program?
1: Yeah, I mean, we have a, we have an application that they have to go through and they don't necessarily have to be a member of ASID, but they need some credentials. You know, they need a tax ID. They need a business that we can work together with. Um, you know, we we don't really have a lot of just the one-off decorators that we do business with. There is a, a process that we have to vet out and approve uh, a designer to be a part of the program.
0: And does the growth in the interior design business cause you to think about what else designers are are asking for you mentioned earlier sort of designers best practices and I'm, I'm wondering what designers are sharing with you about best practices and what it makes you think about how to better service that side of that business
1: yeah i mean we love to share success stories that, that a lot of the designers their colleagues are having you know these designers, they, they they want to design homes. They and they get they a lot of them start off with a friend that asks them to help them with their living room or their bedroom, and, <laughs> and the next thing you know, three years later, they've got a, a nice following and a, and a nice business. Uh, but it all started with. This, this sense of fashion that, that they have and this sense of design and this sense of, of serving uh, other people with their skill set. And, and a lot of times we, what we find is the best designers don't always make out to be the best uh, business people in terms of warehousing and logistics and service and making sure you don't order anything incorrectly. And, and, uh, and that's really a lot of the strengths that Land South brings with our Trade Direct program. And so we share with other designers what works and, and pitfalls to be aware of. And, and we really we, we take ownership and pride in being able to, to show these uh, designers, hey, you've, you, you should be making money with your client. And, and we can show you what other people that do what you do, how they do it and how they make money. And I think that's been a, a, a very transparent part of our program that, that uh, we're very much appreciated for.
0: Well and so the designers that are successful that are shopping with you what is the model what is the approach that they're using do you find?
1: <laughs> well I think we talked the other day I mean there there's a lot of lot of different ways and, and everybody yeah. has their different take on it but I think I think some of the most successful designers are the ones that are, are open with their clients up on the front end. They set expectations, whether they're gonna charge them by the hour, by the job, um, you know, or some people, some designers will just say, Hey, we're going to go to Furniture Land South and anything that you buy from them, uh, I'm going to make sure that we get the right pricing, the best deals, but uh, my fee is going to be 10% on top of whatever you buy there. And so there's, uh, as I said, there's a lot of different models and I think it just comes down to a comfort level for that interior designer and how they like to, uh, how they like to work.
0: Yeah. How has this challenging COVID Time, uh, which has placed whatever whatever restrictions were were on some factories early on. I know some factories had to sort of halt production for a time. It sounds like, for the most part, everyone's kind of back up and at it, and 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 quite quite busy, right?
1: Y- yes, absolutely. I think the industry is is booming. I mean, what what we what we've said time and time again over the past few months is you know you can ignore your old furniture an hour a day for a long time but when you're having to you're having to live with your furniture 24/7 for 6 months you're going to recognize how old it is and how how many years ago you should have already replaced it so um, you know, I think our industry is certainly seeing uh, a lot of consumer demand, a lot of consumer interest. People are at home; they're on their computers; they're looking at at how hey, we're not we're not going to go out to restaurants, you know, quite yet. We're not traveling; we're not hopping on airplanes; we're not going to concerts or sporting venues. Uh, You know, let's invest in the home right now with our disposable dollars and and let's make this a haven for our family and friends so that we can enjoy it until we feel more comfortable going out and doing these things that, that we used to do and spend money on.
0: To that point Jeff you talked earlier about so many people being online and so many people doing research and you mentioned that many of your own customers have have come having done a fair amount of of research does it does it make you want to accelerate your own thoughts and plans about the, the e-commerce part of your website and does it make you want to be doing more business digitally? Because from what I understand, it's a, it's a relatively small part of your business.
1: That's a great question and believe me we, we have spent you know thousands of hours you know uh, examining <laughs> you know how do we how do we make you know how do how do we take advantage of e-commerce how do we get consumers to go to our site and point click and buy a $5,000 sofa or a $12,000 dining room Right I just don't think that many people are selling the good stuff online And and when I say the good stuff, I mean the good quality products. But at the end of the day, I I just believe that most people, they want to... Uh, see the furniture they want to to talk with someone that can assure them that this is the right way to spend your money uh, it's a ver- very tactile product I mean they want to see the scale they want to see the comfort they want to see the options um, and they want to see the quality uh, so uh, we we certainly uh, we are trying to uh, come up with ways to to inspire and uh, and give it a, a, you know information on, on our website every day to get that engagement but we continue to see that that shopper, they really want to talk to someone at a minimum before they just point click and buy, you know, the the expensive furniture.
0: But ultimately, you want to get them there. And I'm wondering about your sales culture. I wonder what you look for after all of these years of sort of having been in the business. Are you able to sort of tell right away when you're, when you're talking to potential salespeople or new salespeople who are going to be the real stars in your organization. And and I'm wondering, you know, sort of what you, what you look for, you know, in, in, in a seller.
1: Well, that's a great question. We really love our sales team and and they're setting records. This is going to be a record year for us. Is Uh, that right? Yeah. I mean, August was the biggest month, single month we've had in the history of our company. September was the largest September we've ever had in the history of our company. And if you would have told me these things back in March or April, you know, I would have probably wanted to see what you were drinking, but
0: that is so remarkable.
1: um, But we really pride ourselves on the sales team and the things that I look for, this might sound, uh, kind of corny, you know, but we, we look for great people. You know, we look mm. for great individuals. Yes, they need a little bit of, of, of retail experience. Uh, you know, we want people that have the heart to serve others. Retail is a very difficult uh, job, you know people want it all. They want it now. They want great service. They want the best pricing. Uh, It's incredibly challenging. And and, and dealing with
0: the general public is very challenging,
1: right? I mean, especially right now. I mean, you know, people are already a little weary coming into a showroom and anxious, you know, about the other people that are around them shopping, the, the people that are helping them, their design consultant. So our design consultants have to wear a lot of hats here. But what the things that I look for, you know, just to be, able to 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 serve others, to be able to learn uh you know the furniture land way. You know, sometimes I don't really like to hire retail furniture salespeople that have worked other places because they got bad habits. <laughs> we like to have we like to hire people that are hungry. You know our, our people are on straight commission and if you're not hungry is that right yeah if you're not hungry you're not going to you know you're not going to make it here there's too much internal competition and and it's and it's a difficult job you know we have a tremendous sales team we have a great combination of of tenure as well as new um, and, uh, and we invest a lot in sales education. You know, that, those are just some of the things that we look for uh, in, in developing a sales team. Uh, but at the end of the day, we, we, we like to hire people that have the same ethics and morals that, that this business was, was built on.
0: And and is that what you mean when you say the furniture land way? Is there is there a sort of a, a moral code that goes along with that? Yeah,
1: we try to do what's right with our clients, and um, we're are the middle person. You know, we we represent all these brands, and, and uh, you know if the brand screws up. The customer doesn't really care about that. They bought it from Furniture Land South, and so we have to do what's right with those clients. And, and overall, you know, our brands give us tremendous support. We have a really good, solid relationship with with our brands, and we work through things to make sure that we take care of our clients. We handle, you know, ninety. 5 plus percent of our deliveries we handle it with our own employees our own equipment and that allows us to really control the level of service that we can give as well as it helps us manage our cost structure
0: well so to that point that that's so interesting that you handle that high a level of your own deliveries so how far out will you can you go with your own people I mean, we, we deliver
1: nationwide, you know, uh, obviously most of our business is East coast, but we do send Mm -hmm. several loads west of the Mississippi, uh, every month. Uh, and we can certainly, we have an international business where we work with freight forwarders, where we can get it to people, you know, even internationally, no matter where they live. And,
0: and who are those international clients that are, that are coming to you and how are they, how are they finding you?
1: You know, (laughs) it's, it's, it's funny most of it's been word of mouth. Um, you know, a lot of it in years past has come from, uh, you know, Kuwait, Saudi Arabia, Dubai. But some of our best business has been done down in the Bahamas and in Bermuda. Quite a, a, a nice run of, of uh, referral business down in that in that marketplace. So uh, those are just a few of, of the areas that, that uh, have been important to us on the international scale.
0: Well, and we, we sort of joke a little bit, but but seriously, has the fact that you are referred to as the largest furniture store in the world. Does that help to raise awareness for you? Is there almost sort of a novelty around that, that people are just sort of curious and want to come and, and learn more?
1: I think the short answer to that is absolutely. (laughs) How many people can say that? I mean, a lot of people can can say other things about furniture, but I don't know anybody else that can say, come shop with us. We're the largest furniture store in the world. We're located in the furniture capital of the world.
0: We're taking a quick break from the show to hear more about Universal Furniture's plans for fall market. Designers, Universal has an incredible lineup of more than 10 events scheduled this October. From taste maker Corey Damon Jenkins to design disruptors Lauren Clement and Christian Daw to our own editor-in-chief, Caitlin Peterson, it's a can't miss lineup of guests. Topics include attracting affluent clients, diversity in design, building e-commerce businesses, and communicating value. Select events will be available to groups of 35 and will be available virtually. An amazing lineup of events is all part of Universal's Promise to deliver special perks to designers. Their trade program includes no order minimum, free shipping, online ordering, and dedicated custom support through the design line. To register for events, visit universalfurniture.com slash marketevents. And if you're shopping, save 20% off your first order of $2,000 or more by using the code TRADEFALL20. That's TRADEFALL20 at universalfurniture.com. And now, back to the show. So we mentioned about about High Point and the last market, sadly, didn't happen. And, and this upcoming market, they're saying about 70% of the attendees at the moment. Does that impact your business or, or do you rise and fall by what's happening at, at High Point Market or... or- T- tell me what the correlation uh, really is yeah, for you. Uh,
1: well, you're full of great questions today, and uh, <laughs> I appreciate that. And uh, I, I think the the one thing that a lot of people don't know about Furniture Land South is that we have a 300,000 square foot outlet center, um, and that outlet center is not uh, like a typical clearance scratch and dent type, uh, center. And what we do because the high point market is literally five miles from here, from our business is every market we go in and buy tens of thousands of market samples. And we buy this, we use our buying power to buy at big discounts so that we can turn around and sell that to consumers at what we would normally pay wholesale pricing for. Um, and, uh, we don't just do that in april and october we stage these pickups throughout the entire year so every week we're getting in you know a different brand and their products and we do uh, nearly two million dollars each month just in outlet business with these samples so you're basically as a consumer you're getting the latest greatest uh market samples uh in the industry a lot of the things that we that we end up bringing in are things that uh, that, that are never even produced again um, and so people are able to find the most on-trend products and they're able to buy it at wholesale pricing. And so it's a, it's a hotbed. It's one of the greatest uh, differentiators for our business.
0: That's remarkable.
1: Yeah, that, that impacts us not having a market. You know, we're still doing some sample business. You know, we had people that had already made their samples for April. So that gets impacted some. You know, our inventory levels have gone down a little Uh, With the demand out there, but I think just on a normal. Uh, buyer-seller relationship, as far as the impact it has on our buying team, I would say that it's very limited. I mean, we're here in High Point. We can go, we could go up there this week instead of next week if we needed to with the rep. So, uh, as far as us going to market and and seeing what's new, seeing uh, what we need to put on our displays, you know, a lot of that for us is is much easier than say it would be for you know another designer or retailer that's coming from California or. Texas or New York or Florida.
0: So I'm, I'm wondering to, to that point, to how much your your own thinking is impacted by what you see at market, or I'm wondering, is it for many market participants, is it the other way around? And they're really being impacted by what you, because you are the biggest seller for many of these brands, I gather, are, are they really being driven by what's working for you?
1: That's a collaborative effort. It, it always has been. I mean, they a lot of times for a lot of these manufacturers is one of the best R&D facilities in the industry <laughs> because they can see they can see all of their competition, you know what they're doing. And, you know, we, we try to carry the best things from every brand that we have. So there's not a day that goes by that you don't see. Uh, you know, one of the VPs of product or design that's uh, from from a brand that's walking our floors and taking notes. So it is very collaborative, uh, I think, on on the part of of, of both Furniture Land South and and our vendors. But I would say, you know, that I think this pandemic uh, has forced businesses to operate differently. Uh, I think that it's going to change the way that the the, the furniture market works. Um, and uh, I think, you, you know, people are finding out the things that are necessary and the things that aren't necessary to do business. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying that it's going go to go to, from two to one market a year, uh, but I do think that it's, it's really changing the way that that interaction between the buyers and sellers is, is going to work. But we love high point. We love having the market here. There's, you know, it's it's Manhattan comes to sleepy little high point twice a year. So it's a, you know, and, and, it, and it, it, you end up with 100,000 people and some of the most creative minds in the entire industry are here not just our industry but just tremendously creative uh people are here during that that uh, week to 10 day period
0: well but it, it it certainly sounds like you think that much is going to change around market coming out of this time and, and and what we've learned and and what we're how we're discovering how we're able to sell perhaps in a in a different way than than just at, at market and and There's going to be sort of an an evolution, perhaps, in the thinking around all of that. Yes?
1: Yes. And I'm going to stop it right there because I don't have a crystal ball and and there's a (laughs) lot you know, uh, I would have just an opinion like a lot of other people would. Really right now, like I said earlier, I think a lot of our brands are are just simply – you know, they're trying to keep up with the current demand, and, and I, I don't think right now you're going to see a lot of new, uh, new product introductions and a lot of risky uh, you know, new designs that are coming out. People are, uh, people are really trying to, to focus in on, on getting their factories running at full capacity and, and just producing you know, their backlog.
0: And that's such an interesting, unexpected outcome in all of this, as,
1: as as we've
0: discussed. And I'm and I'm wondering if it also impacts this conversation that seems to perennially be going on about making High Point more of a year-round destination and trying to get some of these showrooms to be open throughout the year. I mean, sure. What's your What's your sense there?
1: Well, obviously, um, you know our our stance on that is is you know that would be a direct uh competitive situation for furniture land south if if the brands uh felt like they wanted to become a retail establishment uh in high point you know why would they need furniture land south and, and so um I, I think that that has been tried for decades uh because i mean if you come in the high point north carolina in between markets you would say, what is, what is keeping this town alive? And, uh, uh, and so, uh, then you come in High Point during the market and you're like, wow, what a place, (laughs) what a place. And so, and you can't get a hotel room and all the restaurants are packed. Absolutely. Yeah. I, 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 you know, obviously we don't think that, uh, that that's a viable solution. Uh, and I think, you know, it just comes down to, to finances, uh, and it comes down to logistics. Uh, I mean, it costs money to staff these showrooms. Uh, it, it costs money to have logistics, uh, to support, and then you got to go and you got to, you got to simplify how in the world it would all work. Listen, we're the largest furniture store in the world. And and it's tough to shop market. I can't imagine a consumer trying to to navigate those halls and 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 millions and millions. We got 1.3 million square feet, and people. <laughs> but if you're talking about having a consumer with access to 15 million dollars worth of of uh, showrooms to walk in and deal with different designers or different sales associates in each one of these brands, um, and just the the high point labor pool and the Guilford County labor pool, I just would not be able to. To support the the demand for that, and uh, so uh, I'm a very optimistic, uh, the glass is full <laughs> type person. Uh, and uh, but uh, you know, I can tell you that we would take a stance with our brands that hey, if you're going to open up to the public, you know, you know, come come take your samples <laughs> out of our store and put it over there because you know that's not going to work for us. And so, and again, this is nothing new. We've we've had these discussions for for decades. Uh, And and because you got a lot of landlords that are sitting there with these buildings that are unoccupied for 48 weeks of the year. And and they've always said, what could we do? What could we do? What could we do? And and there's no easy answer there.
0: No, no, it it doesn't sound like there's an easy answer. And and as you say, it would would be quite costly to to man those spaces year round. And and there's there's lots of other challenges. And, And it certainly sounds like if you're not on board. I'm imagining you have quite a bit of sway with some of those big companies. So um and I'm assuming you've let your feelings be known to that group. So well, I won't be looking yeah. for year round high point anytime
1: soon. Yeah, I mean we listen we are partners with these people and right. you know we're supportive. And let me, let me tell you, you know, we take it very and and have for for, you know, since we've been in business that, you know, we're not just trying to support You know, the 500 families that uh, are employed here, but we represent so many American made brands that have American workers and and especially in the states of North South Carolina, Virginia. Uh, You know, we take a lot of pride that we we keep these factories running. And um, and these factories are very appreciative of of the efforts that we make and the business that we bring to them. And, and so I'm sure we're, as I said, uh, you know, one of the things that Jason and I learned from from our parents and, and especially my father and in the way that he built the business was he recognized the importance of the relationships with the brands that we represent. And uh, and, and that that as long as we're involved in, in the organization, you know, that will continue.
0: I really, I really appreciate that, and I, and I wonder along those lines. So, remarkably, the furniture industry finds itself in in this sort of unexpected boom time, and and you just outlined for us earlier that August and September were not only great months, but sort of the best months you've had in the history of the company, and our largest third
1: quarter ever,
0: and your largest third quarter. Ever.
1: Might have been our largest quarter ever. I think that's accurate as well.
0: So what does that make you think about where your own business is is going? And what is it? Wh- what does it make you want to do more of going forward?
1: Well, that's a great question. And, and it's the thing that I've been challenging my team over the last 45 to 60 days. We didn't know where we were going to be in March and April. And here we are, and we're doing great. And we're having a phenomenal year. But You know, what's next for us? We can't just be complacent. Uh, We're very competitive. I mean, there's uh, billions and billions of dollars of furniture that's sold out there, and we just have our little piece of the pie. We've always talked about having a physical presence in other markets, but we always land to the fact that, uh, you know, we're, we've got a great destination. I think we continue to just do what we do at a high level, give world-class service, uh, you know, have a, a very unique shopping experience, uh, continue to build our business with with referrals and, and um, word of mouth. Um, and so that, I mean, that's just a little bit of our strategy. I think at some point down the road, you know, for us to really grow to to, uh to, to significant more volume would involve having a physical presence in in other key markets but you know we're, we're not quite ready for that just yet do,
0: do you have in your in your mind a, a, a sort of an ideal volume for you I mean how, how big a, a company right now are you roughly speaking you don't yeah
1: to we're back to you know where we were in early 2000 2001 you know we're, we're around 170 million dollar company and and we feel like uh, if we were maximizing our opportunities here, I mean, we certainly could be over a $200 million organization just out of one big showroom. Just out of one giant showroom. Yeah. That is
0: that is really remarkable. So you, you've, you've toyed with the idea of being in other markets, but you couldn't possibly replicate that kind of experience. For the moment, at least, you imagine yourself staying where you are. And the online, you'd, you'd love to figure out how to grow that, but it, it doesn't sound yeah, I mean, like that. Yeah,
1: you know, and we've built a website really geared towards e-commerce, and it didn't work. And so, you know, we, we continue to really, as I said earlier, use our website for – for uh, inspiration, for information, to get engagement. Uh, but I do believe, you know, at some point, uh, you know, people are going to get more and more comfortable with point, click and buy. And we also do see a lot, ne- not necessarily this point, click and buy. But once we have a relationship established between a, a customer and a design consultant, they don't have to come in the store. You know, they trust that design consultant. They say, look, I need to do that third bedroom. You know, here's here's kind of what I'm thinking. And then that design consultant can can put three or four uh, mood boards together, fire them off and say which direction and, and they're off to the races. So, you know, it's I think. You know, the showroom experience, we, we pride ourselves in that. That's a differentiator for us, and it's a part of our long term strategy. But we also believe in technology. Uh, you know, we just launched a brand new order entry system at the end of last year, and we're really starting to see the efficiencies that that is bringing to our team. Um, so we obviously, we're, we're I feel like we're cutting edge on the technology side, and we, we will continue to find ways to, to simplify the experience you know so the customers they don't have to spend so much time uh, going through it we want to make it easy
0: yeah and and have you noticed and have your sales associates noticed any dramatic shifts in what people are asking for or looking for as a result of, as you were saying earlier, being home for all of this time? Have we seen any sort of <laughs> meaningful looking, looking, behavioral change? looking for anything
1: they can get now. That, that's a lot of it, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, you know, obviously price is always, uh, you know, uh, part of the equation, but I mean, it is, I've never seen, uh, you know, the, the importance greater of, of having product available that customers don't, don't have to wait. And it's, listen, it's not a furniture land issue. It's not a, it's not just an issue with our brands. It's, it's an industry challenge right now.
0: No, of course. And I'm imagining that many of the factories are trying to catch up as best they can, but I'd be surprised if many of them have product
1: on, on hand, ready to go. Yeah, I mean, a lot of them, a lot of them do. Okay, and they've and they're continuing to do everything they can to fill these domestic warehouses with product and and fabric and and things to keep those custom orders flowing so it's it's a good it's a good time a good challenges to have but at the end of the day there's still challenges for us
0: indeed but as you say they're, they're they're good challenges to have so i'm i i'm i'm happy to hear that that things have been been going as well as they have for you and and jeff i really appreciate you making the time to to talk with us
1: oh it's my pleasure i appreciate the opportunity
0: well it's my pleasure as well and i look forward to to coming down for a visit very soon
1: well the invitation is open
0: thanks for listening If you'd like to keep up with the latest design industry news, please visit us at businessofhome.com. If you'd like to share feedback or get in touch, email podcast at businessofhome.com. This show was produced by Fred Nikolaus and Marina Felix. I'm Dennis Scully. Stay safe and healthy, and I'll see you next week.